Thank you for joining me on another episode of the I Rather Be in Paris podcast. This is a, uh, a special series uh, called Three Expats, Three Perspectives, where I'll be interviewing uh, three female expats uh, currently living in Paris and discussing their perspectives. The idea is to take a more intimate look, a little bit more honest, a little bit more unvarnished look at the reality of living in Paris. As much as we we want to live out the fantasy uh, of, of living in Paris as an expat, particularly for us Americans, it's important to get an unvarnished look. And I hope that these series of episodes will help um, enlighten, but also um, give you a clearer um, idea of the realities that are facing expats on the ground in Paris and obviously in greater France today. Enjoy. Today, I want to welcome a, a recent friend uh, that I met thanks to our previous guest, April Pett, uh, Carla Miser Costamagna. Hi, how, how are, are you? Good to Bonjour. see you again, Carla. Bonjour. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks for having me. This is great because um, so uh, for those of you that have followed on the uh, on the website, um, my travel, my last trip recap, I mentioned Carla and her family. We had a, a lovely lunch at um, Bouillon Pigalle uh, yes, during our trip, delicious. which was the, the first time that we had met in person, thanks to April Pet. Um, and this is a really interesting opportunity, I think, for, for me and for the podcast, because Carla, you, you are a recent uh, arrival to Paris. Yes. Uh, literally, uh, you've been there, what, six months at this point? Six months, yeah. We arrived July 13th, the day before Bastille Day, or... 14 de juillet, which is the big independence, you know, the big festivities here. So, yeah, six months. Wow. So um, this is a really, um, a really good uh, perspective because um, unlike a lot of our past guests and, you know, if you follow some of the same folks that, that I follow, a lot of the expats that are out there, the influencers, so to speak, tend to be single folks. Um, yeah. Now you're married and you have two kids. Yes, married for 11 years, mm -hmm. and I have two children, Elliot and Emma. Elliot is seven, and Emma is nine. Great. So that's this is this is interesting because um, I'm curious to see what your um, your perspective. So, what um, talk to me about the process? What was this, the decision making process Ooh. like for you and and Mike and the family to to kind of come to Paris? So it was, um, I would say it was a long, t it was long planning. I mean, we planned it for a long time, uh, for years. It mm. started out as just us, you know, just coming we came for a honeymoon. I came when I was little and I was in love with Paris since I was eight. So I was like, one day I'm going to live in Paris. One day I'm going to live in Paris. Then, you know, you grow up, you, you know, live your life, you, uh, you know, get married and get settled and then. Mm -hmm. For a honeymoon, we came and just that kind of excitement came back to me. And we were like, oh, we should definitely yeah. try to live here someday. Oh, yeah, someday. And then just you have babies and then, you, again, the life continues. <laughs> and then, then we came back uh, eight years after our honeymoon. And then we came and then I was like, okay, there's something sparked in me. And I was like, Every time I had a chance, I would come to Paris. Mm -hmm. And the more I came, the more I thought, I need to, I, we just need to do it. We need to do it. And... Um, I have uh, an Italian passport, so okay. it's kind of made sense. I was like, okay, we're just not 
that irresponsible we're just going to come here and not know how we're going to stay. So we uh, we so- sold our belongings and packed some of our things, our precious things, our vinyl, our books, the kids' toys, and we uh, saved money for a couple of years and just moved. You know, we did a lot of research, of course, before we came. We just, you know, um, contacted people, mm-hmm. listened to a lot of podcasts, looked, watched a lot of vlogs, read a lot of blogs, and just one day we were just like, okay, bought the tickets, one-way tickets. There was no turning back. That must have been so scary. It was. It was scary. It was exciting. It was very exciting, but it got scarier as the day arrived that we were yeah. supposed to leave. And then when we finally got here, we were like, oh, my God, did we just do this? And we we sort of had to, we, we wanted to do it before our children got too old because we thought, mm-hmm. well, the older they get, the more they're going to want to stay close to their friends. And, um, you know, we can always go back uh, and you know they can they can learn another language while they're young enough, and so we thought we got to do it now. And we're we're also getting a little older now, you know, not old but older, and the you know less energy to to take a plunge like this, you yeah. know, to, to do. There's an inherent, <laughs> yeah, no, there's the the inherent sense of risk in just doing anything like this. And, and yeah. Yeah. The fear that I have personally is that, you know, I want to do this now, but if I wait too long, I'll become risk averse and I won't want to that's be exactly. to Yeah, that's exactly one of the reasons why. I mean, there are several reasons why we wanted to move, um, but we want to take advantage of my EU status. Of course, um, we wanted to give the kids, you know, uh, that kind of wider world perspective. Uh, we wanted to experience France, experienced Paris, the wonderful, iconic Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also we wanted to do it now because, like you said, that that sense of risk, you become risk averse. Mm-hmm. You know, like I now, I would never do certain things like bungee jumping or, uh, I don't know, like I don't even like kayaking. I don't know. Like I just, <laughs> there's things that I used to do when I was younger. And yeah. I'm like, no way. I have way too much to lose. So... Well, I mean, you and I, you and I, you know, we, we're, we have similar backgrounds, but the thing is, you know, when you go from being single to being married to being a parent, mm-hmm. you know, the, what you're able to, what you're willing to risk, you know, it changes because <laughs> yes. there are people that you care about and that you're responsible for. And as you get older, you're more aware of the consequences yeah. of your actions. You know, um, everything has a cost, so to speak. Um, you know, when you're young and single, the world is your oyster and nah, everything will be fine. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did also live a, a life like that a little bit. Um, we my, all husband did. Was, yeah. my husband was, um, you know, he, he was born and raised in Western New York and he had a more of a stable life, amazing family, huge family, very close mm-hmm. knit family. Um, I, on the other hand, mom and dad, then they separated. So I, and I just traveled all over. And mm-hmm. so I kind of grew up with that, almost like I used to call it the four-year itch. Every four years, I'd be like, I want to move somewhere. And it took me a while. And after I got married and had children, I had to fight that itch for years. You know, I was in the United States for 17 years. It's mm-hmm. the longest I've ever lived anywhere in my life. And even within the United States, we moved quite a bit. So Now, where else have you lived? Um, in the United States, I lived, when I was younger, I was there in Florida, 
and in California and Los Angeles. Then as an adult, I lived in New York City mm-hmm. in San Francisco and then in Western New York, a mm-hmm. small town called East Aurora, which is uh, southeast of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up, I was born in Peru. I left when I was four, came, went to the United States. Then I moved to Europe. I lived in Italy, in Spain. I lived in Germany for a short while. My parents couldn't really adapt, so we left. Mm-hmm. Went to South America. I lived in um, Chile, in Argentina. I lived in Venezuela. And uh, I lived in uh, in Italy. I lived in Milan, in Torino, in Genova. Like, it's just yeah. in the Venezuela, I lived in Caracas, in Margarita. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a constant moving where it became almost like in nature for me and it wasn't as scary mm-hmm. but definitely becoming a parent like I said getting older and becoming a parent and having that responsibility it's not just you just let's do this adventure you know let's have this adventure it's like we can't just you know we have to think about it a little bit more yeah so we're we're filming we're uh recording this rather um in december so you're in paris approximately six months or so now. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, how has the adjustment been for you, for your husband, for the kids? It's getting better every day. There's new challenges every day, unexpected challenges, the things that nobody tells you before you move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the typical language barriers. I speak I speak French, I guess, intermediate level. My husband doesn't really speak much at all. Um, but... Um, the the bureaucracy you know paperwork it's just mm-hmm. overwhelming the amount of paperwork the amount of things you need to get anything done mm-hmm. the amount of time it takes the laissez-faire attitude that is so great in some aspect but when you're a visitor it's great but when you live here it's like it, it, it's maddening <laughs> oh my gosh like if you have a leak in your kitchen or something and they're they're gonna come and fix it they say they're gonna come one day and they don't even show up they don't call and then they don't call again and it's just this I'm sure everybody that's hearing this, like, yes, it's like the the famous fouille dans le plafond, I think it's called, it's like the leak in the ceiling. It's like a common thing apparently in, mm-hmm. in Paris, but things like that, you know, it's, it's definitely been uh, interesting and a lot more challenging than we ever imagined, but we decided to do this and we are going to stick to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, um, I came here with, no job or anything, but I had some prospects and I'm trying to work in my craft, which is floral design. And I've also, um, is that me? Oh, sorry. Um, I've worked in my craft and floral design and mm-hmm. also um, started doing culinary tours. Oh, great. Yeah. Fantastic. So I'm working for a, a company. Well, it's, it's cooking because we call La Cuisine mm-hmm. Paris. Yes. It's actually, um, uh, it's a great, great cooking school. Uh, it's uh, geared towards uh, English-speaking people, so a lot of Americans, uh, Canadians, British, and uh, a great community of people, and they, they put together culinary tours. So I've been doing that for the last uh, month or so, and I love it. So, it's, yeah, it's been, you know, very slowly, but we're getting there. Well, I mean, I... You know, in researching uh, for this uh, episode, um, you know, to say that your your background is in floral design, but to your credit, um, looking at your portfolio, stunning work, frankly. Oh, thank um, you. In floral design. Thank you. 
and and to be totally honest um more likely than not folks if you've read any major design decor publication you've seen her uh her work um because you've been you've been profiled in a lot of major publications your work has been seen in, in a lot of globally recognized publications so you know yeah, honestly yes. to <laughs> to to kind of transition from you know your own established career to, yes. to moving to paris with no prospects nobody knows who i am <laughs> yeah and, and honestly like that's that's a huge risk but um you know i commend you for it but Thanks. it's very scary but all of us who are you know, all of us who are considering this aspiring expat lifestyle um, <laughs> may have to kind of go um, go that route. So yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's like, what do you get? What do you, what are you willing to sacrifice to live the dream in a way? You know, and then once you are living the dream, it's not actually so much a dream as you thought it would be, but you you want it so badly that you just you 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 have to keep at it. You know. Yeah. It's, but uh, I mean, in in general, the the change has been good. Correct. Yes, I would say yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's, in it's been in general, good. the lifestyle that you've left versus the lifestyle that you have, the lifestyle that you have now is better. It's I wouldn't say better. It's different. It's just it's more what I what we were hoping to have. We we wanted mm -hmm. that um, cosmopolitan lifestyle mm -hmm. that that. Um, that life where there's so many interesting things, sights, scents, people around you, um, and that excitement that that maybe we missed it from when we lived in the big city. I don't know, like we wanted that. And so, yeah, there's definitely some sacrifices, um, like the comfort, the practicality, the knowing people, the knowing the language. That is something that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say overall uh, or, or just like, point blank, black and white, it's better. I would say mm -hmm. it's different and it has a lot of positives that are that are worth losing the positives that we had before. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that <laughs> make sense? Yeah. Um, we, we know that we sacrificed and we left a lot of things um, that we miss, for sure. But we are, our lives have been so enriched since we moved here that it's worth it for us. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, like, like little things, like for example, if you talked about the apartment, the living situation, mm -hmm. no, that's not way better because we had, you know, a 1500 square foot house with a garden and now we live in a 50 meter apartment with very noisy neighbors. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it, you know, there's, so that that's kind of like, no, in that sense, it's not better, but for people who are foodies, the food is incredible. Um, not just French, but international. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's there's you know pros and cons. You just have to weigh it. And which what what are your priorities? You know what are your priorities? If you wanna if you wanna have a comfortable life in a house with a pool, then Paris might not be for you. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, you and I met thanks to uh, April Pet, who yes. was a past guest twice over on this on this program um and she's talked to me quite a bit about the the ability to pay it forward in the sense that she came here and she got to know people and ended up um 
you know, folks that she met ended up helping her out when she was trying to establish her business. And, um, you know, she was kind enough to put the two of us together. But how and I know we have a lot of mutual acquaintances, but how is the expat community? um, How did you use that to your advantage in terms of kind of easing the transition from the United States to here? Yeah, that was actually very uh, helpful. Uh, having a having a, a even a small sense of community when we arrived and not being completely alone because we only had one friend in mm-hmm. Paris, and um, he, you know, very busy guy and not going to be there for us every second. But before we we moved, um, I researched I said I researched like blogs and and podcasts. Um, I actually met April through Oliver G, who is, you oh, know, God, as yeah. we all know, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Earful Tower podcast. I met Oliver through this other guy named James, Jay Swanson, who has a vlog. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a matter of like, when we decided to, to move here, I was like, okay, well, we have to make all, you know, all kinds of research. We need to research who to move, how, what kind of people there, what, where, where, where's better to live. And um, as a parent, another great, um, uh, resource I would say is Message Paris. It's a great, um, it's a community. It's a um, a group of people that are all English speaking expats, not necessarily American, but you have people from all over the world that speak English. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are parents, and they have different subgroups for different age groups of you know kids with different ages. So that also helped. And I mean, I was just to the point where I would read a book about Paris and if I loved it, I would write to the author. I mean, I've written, I've written to, I wrote to Pamela Druckerman. I wrote, you know, she's the author of Bring Up Bebe and Mm -hmm. French Kids Don't Throw Food. I wrote, I wrote messages to Lindsay Tremuda who writes the the new Paris, um, which I've actually got to meet in person finally through common friends and it was great. And, I, I wrote to April, I wrote to Oliver, I wrote to every single person that I that I could imagine about Paris. And a, a lot of them reached back, you know, and said, yes, of course, let me know when you're here. Some people that are like, I'm too busy, I'm sorry. Of course, it's understandable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely helped a lot. And our group of friends, I would say 80% of the friends that we have are expats that we met before we came mm-hmm. yeah no that that's something that that april stresses is that the expat network um is is going to be important initially you know to helping you settle in so i'm glad that that's worked out for you um, yeah this is this yeah. is all this all feels very reassuring to me <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean it's it's great it's uh, like in that house that we met too you know and you're not yeah. here yet but hopefully you will be soon and uh, then we'll have a community. And I mean, and it's also very, I mean, it's common knowledge. I don't know how common knowledge for people that are not very familiar with, with the Parisian um, dream or the Parisian expat life, but making French friends is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, you can't just walk up and be like, hey, I just moved here. You want to be my friend? I want to, I mean, it's kind of like the ideal, you know, like kind of like that. Oh my gosh, the milestone. I have a French friend. Yeah. And, um, but it, it happens. I mean, we have a French, we have a couple of French friends through expats. Yes. So met an expat who's been here for five years and they happen to have two or three or four French friends. And through them, you meet them yep. or married to a French person. And, and our kids are in school. So that's how you meet like a little bit of very slowly through play dates. 
Mm-hmm. You know, not every play day turns into a parent friendship, but once, you know, slowly it happens. Sure, so sure. We're only here, we've only been here six months, so I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah, no, but honestly, it 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 seems well. Obviously, you've done your research, but it seems like you've made a considerable amount of progress from where I sit. Um, but okay. in, in talking about the kids, um, uh, Elliot and Emma, how mm-hmm. how did you guys tackle the the educational aspect? Like, what was oh. the process like? I mean, I'm presuming, are they going to a, a bilingual school? Or are they going to an old French school? Yeah, well, we we um, researched both possibilities. We were like, well, at first we were like, yeah, we'll just put him, throw him into school, they'll learn. You know, like, boom, throw him into the water. Then we started feeling a little bit bad. We spoke to um, a, a person who we actually used her help. We hired her to help us find an apartment and help us with certain things. And um, Adrian Leeds, very yes. well known. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did kind of like, invested in in hiring her to help us and she was like no you're going to traumatize your kids you can't do that you're like oh my gosh we're such horrible parents what are we doing so we looked into bilingual school and american school but i mean first of all it was out of our budget mm-hmm. and second we were like well we really want them to have the french experience so what do we do as it turns out um there are and this is something relatively new i think there are certain schools in every arrondissement in every district you know of mm-hmm. paris mm-hmm. out of the several schools that are in each arrondissement there are also um two or three that have french um adaptation or like the the what do you call it um um transitional it's a transitional mm-hmm. school uh so that they have one class or two classes where kids from other countries that don't speak French, they have to go. It's something that is expected. They need to go to this class once a day for an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there's kids from all over the world. Um, a lot of kids, there are kids from the Middle East, kids from some kids from the United States, some other countries in Europe, South America, Asia. I mean, from all over. And they go to regular class and then they go mm-hmm. one hour to this class. And our kids were just that. We were lucky enough to get them a space in one of these classes. And it's a public school, so mm-hmm. it's just something that the public school system offers. So it was great. Our daughter was in it, and she finally, a week ago, got um, she 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 finished. Like the, the teacher said that she was she was um, doing well enough in her French to stop going to the class. So that was faster than we thought. <laughs> wow, so that's, that's great. great. Well, I mean, honestly, having met your kids, I mean, they're brilliant. Um, oh, I mean, Emma, Emma, she's a, she's, she's smart. I mean, I, she's too smart for <laughs> <her own> good. <laughs> well, no, but you know, honestly, like the, what I remember is I, first of all, I'm jealous of Elliot cause he has fantastic hair. Um, but that's another <laughs> matter entirely. He has like the best hair I've ever seen on a human being. And the biggest eyelashes in the world. I mean, like, ooh, why, why, why do boys get all the, the, the eyes? You know, but they're both, they're both brilliant kids. Um, but it was just interesting for me to like, cause I asked them directly, like, how's it going? You know, and you know, they're very can you know, at that age, you're going to be very blunt and candid, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it seems like they're, they're, they're being, they're very well adjusted. Um, but it's nice to see, honestly, I had no idea about that public school option. So that that's encouraging, but that that's something I'm going to have to do a little research because that, that is something I've never heard about. So, you know, thank you for bringing that to our oh, attention. Oh, you're welcome. I can't yeah. even, I, I can't think of what it's called. I can send you the information so you Please. can put it in your notes if you want. But it's a, it's, it's some letters and, and uh, we found out about this because we just went to the Marie 
mm-hmm. of like the our our neighborhood and we were like well we want to put our kids in school and they're like yeah you can't do that like you, you you're not allowed to just put your kids that don't speak any french in a public french school it's detrimental it's like it's not good for anybody mm-hmm. and we're like well yeah but we don't we What's really don't want a private school either um but the other thing is too there are different there are different kinds of private schools in in france there's um the, basically, the private schools under contract, which are private schools that are under government contract, so they are less expensive. A lot of them are, are Catholic, too. Okay. So, but then you don't necessarily have to be religious to go to the school. I have, I know people that have friends that have their children in those schools and not necessarily practice any religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just we're like, no, we'll just do it for for now. You know, we'll just put them in the public public school, and. And uh, and then there's the private schools n- n- with no contract to the government. So they're the ones that, the more expensive ones, like the really like the American school, the British schools, the bilingual schools that are, you know, these are just like the private schools in the United States that okay. are extremely expensive. You know, mm-hmm. so those are out of the question right off the bat. Um, and there's still a possibility that we might put them in one of those other schools. You know, no, I mean. It is also you go to the school that they assign you according to where you live. Okay. Unless you choose one of the private schools, you have to put your kids in the school that's closest to you. Gotcha. Okay. So, so that's, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Now to transitioning a little bit, you, you, you said that you, you kind of are starting your floral design business. You're kind of slowly Mm -hmm. but surely trying to ramp that up. Um, but you've also kind of branched off into into uh, giving tours. Could you talk a yes. little bit about that? Um, well, yeah, I'm um, I'm a huge foodie, and I'm obsessed with French food. Well, into food from everywhere, but French food, you know, when in France, right? And uh, so I applied to. Um, I, I think it was through one of these groups. Actually, somebody had posted that they needed tour guides for a culinary uh, for culinary tours, and I. I um, applied and and they said, well, this is not. I don't think you're fit for this, but I recommend this other school. And I I did you know a few weeks of training and and interviews, and I got in, and I'm been doing that. And uh, with the with that experience, also my husband and I are trying to um, start a small endeavor, which is doing uh, vinyl tours because we're huge vinyl uh, collectors, and he mm-hmm. is. He's been collecting vinyl for years since we met, and that um, just gets bigger and bigger. We have like barely space to hold them. So, and we 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 extra personal experience. Every time we came to Paris, we wanted to hit the the vinyl st- shops, and it was just a hit or miss. And when you are coming to Paris, you have a limited amount of time, but you want to do it. It's a kind of waste of time if you go to a place and it's like overpriced records, or it's closed, or the owner is a jerk you know like it's like so yeah. we we thought how cool it would be if we could just have somebody to take us to certain places or new if we just want to focus on one type of music jazz or like french jazz or you know world music um, and we just knew where to go and not waste the time and then somebody to tell us look this and maybe get a discount in one of the stores mm-hmm. so and learn about the the area where we're walking and the history and what makes that arrondissement that that neighborhood great it would be great to to do that so we decided 
that's what's you know it's missing so we're we're um developing that tour and kind of probably will be the start of what we like to call like niche tours or tours for non-tourists yeah yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's an excellent way to put it. But yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, uh, well, your husband, Mike is a, is an audio engineer yeah, by profession. Audio engineer. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, not only are you coming at it from, from a, from a fan perspective, from a fan of mm -hmm. music perspective, but I mean, I think it'll, what'll be interesting is that he has, adds that, that technical perspective that yeah. if you're really into music, yes. um, invariably, and I think that's why you, you're seeing the resurgence of vinyl, frankly. It's, it's the quality of music on vinyl is so different from all the formats that followed it, you know? Yeah, I think it's kind of that uh, almost uh, a, a position or like a, a, against like that fast music, MP3 yes. that you just download. You know, it's yeah. something that it takes time. You look for the for the vinyl you you take it out of the sleeve and yeah. you look at it you put the needle in very delicately it just kind of takes time it's and it it really it makes you appreciate the music well, when, you, when you play it in the vinyl there's something about it there's something nostalgic about it romantic about it and it's just very it's also very goes really well with the 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 way that paris makes us feel there's a romanticism, a mystery about sure. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is, like, I have a good friend of mine from high school who's literally been DJing professionally since he was 14. He was that good. Um, obviously wow. started out on vinyl, but he's still, you know, um, all these years later, still DJing and, and touring globally. But the funny thing is, you know, obviously he has all the the latest equipment to mm -hmm. dj but he works in both formats and if anything he's seeing an increase in the venues desire to have djs come in and utilize vinyl yeah uh, absolutely so yeah. you know that that there's something to this frankly so i, I i'm confident oh, yeah, that you guys are going to do great thanks yeah mike and i used to work together in the states because i when i was doing wedding planning he would uh he would dj vinyl DJ and that's how mm -hmm. he got started with you know the whole like the name it's like the flip side vinyl mm -hmm. and um his Instagram the flip side vinyl and yeah people would uh, ask for it would ask for um that's how it started because somebody said I want I want a DJ that just spins vinyl and I want him to spin old stuff and 80s 70s like 90s you know I want that kind of music and I don't want any any scratching I just want just vinyl played and it would yeah. want people to be able to look at the vinyl and and um so <laughs> there was no where we lived there was nobody that doing that so he started and now there's you know you find them around that's great i'm i'm in uh i'm encouraged i have uh, i'm sure you're gonna find a, a nice following but i'll tell you uh in terms of the the music scene over there i'm sure you're gonna find some of the you know the professional djs there that are gonna want to pick your brain as to where some of the good places to go are so <laughs> I, yeah, I sense, absolutely. I sense branches guys, of this yeah yeah i sense branches of this concept to, uh, uh coming to fruition 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's all, especially, you know, people from coming from other, uh, from the United States, especially, you know, if you like vinyl, you are coming to Paris to look for a specific type of vinyl. Like, we know that something that's uh, an American jazz album is going to be overpriced over here, maybe. You mm-hmm. can get something in the States less, but if you're talking about Manouche jazz, uh, Django Reinhardt, or you're talking about mm-hmm. um, French, French music, French mm-hmm. bands... Mm-hmm. European bands, even Latin music here, you can find really good stuff that is mm-hmm. unknown. Um, and a lot of people, that's what they, they want. You know, plus some, some places are, some, some vinyl stores in Paris offer more than just vinyl. They have equipment, um, really amazing um, record players and audio equipment. And also some of them have a bar. You can sit and have a beer. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, some of them have food. I mean, it's it's great. It's like a whole experience, but you got to know where to go and you know, and when they're going to be open and you know. Uh, well, you know what? That sounds like a tour I wouldn't mind taking. To be totally honest, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, not and honestly, this conversation makes me regret that we 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 gave away my dad's vinyl when he passed away. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I blame my I mom know. for that. <laughs> I bet a lot of people did that. You're, Ugh, not, you're not alone yeah. on that. We actually had to go back and uh, ask Mike's mom for like if any vinyl left by Grandpa. We need it. We want it. Yeah. Oh gosh. A lot of yeah. classical music. We have a lot of classical music too. Well, we have everything, but. Well, you know, I'm sure. I mean, oddly, oddly enough, here in DC, you'll still see yard sales in in the more residential neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and invariably. Vinyl is some of the stuff that I see the most often. Yeah, um, I know. You know that that's so. I mean, it's still out there, but obviously you have to be on the hunt for it, for sure. Yeah, those are some of the best ways to to, to get vinyl. Sometimes is mm-hmm. that that little record, the record you find in an estate sale, or and uh, here they do brocantes, so it's like the street sales. It's um, vintage, you know, antiques, but also knickknacks, and you'll find some good stuff. That that would be fun to do uh, a little a little vinyl uh, scavenger hunt, so to speak. Yeah, we should absolutely. we should do that on our next trip on our next. Oh trip. yes, absolutely. We'll meet up and do that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, um, before we go, what what advice, what tips would you offer to folks that are contemplating a move, but in particular to those that are kind of close to making the leap over to France? Um, definitely, I would say plan, plan, plan. <laughs> plan it. When you think you've planned enough, plan some more. Do, so, do a lot of research and find those resources, no matter how simple they or how informal they might seem, you never know when they're going to be crucial to your move into your, you know, the join groups where you actually have to pay a fee to join, but also those Facebook groups yeah. that are just a bunch of people asking random things. Cause you can ask things and everybody asks, not, no, no question is off the table. You know, everybody know that everybody that is moved is experiencing what you are about to experience. or have, ex- have experienced everything that there is. And mm-hmm. And it's way better to know, at least be prepared of what to expect. Because even if you're the more prepared you possibly can be, there's still some things that are going to 
throw you off balance. Yeah. So definitely that. And and know that if you're making the move, you are shifting those you you're you're doing a move because your priorities are in a place and and don't don't dwell on the things that you're leaving. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to dwell on the big space that you left or how easy it is to find something, how practical it is or how things get done so fast, you know, cause that's, that's the, the great thing about the United States is great thing about um, other places. That is probably what is not the greatest thing about being in Paris. Mm-hmm. That's not why you're moving. So just, you know, keep focused on the end goal and yeah, plan and save. <laughs> <laughs> Save a lot of money because it's very easy to spend money here in in Paris. It's just one, now, two, three, four, five croissants, and then suddenly, yeah, it, it, it dents the budget. Now, mm-hmm. would you, in terms of like um, savings, would you recommend, you know, at the very least, you know, you're talking about half a year of salary, a year of salary. It was is there kind of like a guide that you would suggest? I would say depending on the the, the amount of people in your family mm-hmm. and your what your goal is in terms of what kind of lifestyle you want to live, you know, I think that's very that's very um, dependent on a specific case. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a year salary, I would say, um, or more. Gotcha. Uh, and also think about what in, what is included in that budget that you're saving because for us part of what we saved we used we invested in in hiring adrian which mm-hmm. you know for us it was it was a huge help because we tried to research how to open a bank account and no matter how we tried there's no way to find out and, and every every case is different and we were just to the point where we're like well that's what we need if you don't have a bank account you can't do anything yeah and um so we hired her to, to help us with that, and it was it was amazing. We we got here on a Saturday, and then by Monday we had a bank account. So that is definitely that was worth it for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then saving enough for your living situation. If you are, you know, you have to know that here you have to have like sometimes you they ask you for like two three months rent. They ask you for twice as much for a deposit. So you have to end up paying. And then if you have an agency, you have to pay the agency fee. So sure. it's not just like first and first month's rent and deposit. It's just a whole expense. And that will eat up a bunch yeah, of it. It'll, so, it'll so like I said, again, it, it, really turn, it really comes back to research and plan. You know, um, you know plan where you're going to stay for the first month or two, like Airbnbs, things like that. So. Yeah. Well, um, I commend you for your fortitude. <laughs> um, all, our friends, all our friends said to us, we heard two words from them for the last six months before we left. Either yeah. you're so brave or you're crazy. Those are the two, the uh, two adjectives that were used to describe the measers <laughs> before we left. Well, you know what? I think it's, it's um, the way I look at it, and you know, some of my immediate family that have expressed the desire to move are incredibly supportive. Um, they get it. Others yeah, think I'm nuts, but at the same time, it's it's. I look at it from the standpoint of so long as my wife and my daughter are cool with what I have in mind, then mm-hmm. everybody else, you know, not that I don't value your opinion, but my immediate circle is what's important because they're going to be yeah, one, that's one's definitely important. Effect. 
it's yeah. definitely important to have a support group at home too. People that your friends and family that say, you know what, I think you're crazy, but good for you. Go yeah. for it. I commend you. Like you, <laughs> you know, it's because if you don't have that, it definitely, yeah. you know, it makes it more difficult. And also to for everybody to know and for you to know realistically that if things don't go your way, if things fall apart, if things don't work out. There's no shame in being like, okay, well, I did my best. It's not going to work. I guess I'll just go back with my tail up to my legs, and that's it. Everybody, <laughs> don't say I told you so. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I get it, but I think of it this way. I've said it before. The one thing I don't want to do in my life, you know, once once my I breathe my last breath, my thing is this. I don't want to say woulda, shoulda, coulda. Exactly. You know, I, I don't want to say that I left anything undone um but on the flip side you've also not to not to plug the business but hey flip side vinyl um the (laughs) one thing to keep in the the other thing to keep in mind is you've run your own business you've had your trials and tribulations with your business Mm -hmm. how many times have you heard the story of somebody starting a business it failed they tried again and then it worked and in a way in a way this is no different in a way this is no different yes you're talking about a a move to a totally different country, right. but if it doesn't work out, you can always try again. But you're certainly, if you try again, you're going to try again that much more uh, educated about the situation. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, How are you so, going to know if you don't try? Exactly. And I think that that's, I think that's what I take from from your story, is mm-hmm. that, you know, you guys had the guts at least to say, we won't know if we don't try, and you yeah. tried. No. And we did it when the kids are young enough too that they're like, well, they're they're enthusiastic, they're little, yeah. they'll they're adaptable, you know. And then we would have, I don't think we would have done this if they were older, you know, because I don't want them being like, hey, you took me out of, you know, yeah. it didn't work out. Now, <laughs> you know, my life is ruined because of you. Like, no, I if things don't work out, they'll be as happy to go back home as they yeah. were to get to come here. And okay, I hope we don't have to, at least not yet, but. But um, I'm hopeful, and I think that's the, the, the first thing is to, to you have an idea, you have a dream, and you want it enough, you, you try as hard as you can. If you're lucky enough to have that support system mm-hmm. and you plan it well enough, the odds are in your favor, and just just don't lose the faith. You know, don't, don't keep trying. Yeah. Keep trying. That's for sure. Put a, well, put a, put a bucket under that, under that, uh, under that leak, under that leak in the kitchen and just wait another week until the guy comes to fix it. Exactly. But <laughs> you know what? Get a croissant in the meantime. Exactly. The cro- get, croissants will solve anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Carla, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for having me. It was just a pleasure and it's a, it was a pleasure to meet you when you came here and I'm yeah, looking forward to seeing you again. Same here. Um, you know, I, 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 I thanked you back then, but honestly, like you, you were so generous with your time. Um, I mean, because we sat down at, at that table as total strangers, and I think we walked away as friends, which is awesome. Yes, so, I agree. Um, I'm looking forward to to seeing you again. Um, thankfully, the next time I see you in Paris, um, you'll be given a tour. So <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes, oh, no. I, I'm putting it the out VIP, there in the world. VIP. It'll Thank definitely you so happen. much. Um, so, um, before, um, more importantly, um, I will be posting links to, uh, all your information on, in the show notes. Um, so please follow Carla, 
follow Mike, learn more about the upcoming tours, um, spread the word, but also um, you have a remarkable feed. Um, I love your what you do on Instagram, Carla. Um, so I know that this is going to be your first holiday in Paris, your first yes. Christmas in Paris and your first New Year's. So I know. Uh, enjoy Exciting. it. Thank Post you. a lot of photos and enjoy the holidays. Thank you. You too. Happy right. holidays. Happy New Year. May Happy 2020 year. bring yes. more amazing guests and success at the podcast and, and uh, just another step towards your, your dream of coming to Paris. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the I'd Rather Be in Paris podcast. Before I go, just want to remind everyone to visit us online at I'dRatherBeInParis.com and to follow our profiles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep the conversation going in between episodes. See you soon. Bye-bye.